The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is a big week in the fantasy football calendar. The Scott Fishbowl drafts are underway. We'll be helping you out with those throughout the week. We've got a lot of guests coming on this week. We've got no Dave. we got no Jamie. we got no Schneier for the first three days. It's going to be a lot of Adam and Heath. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Heath. You ready to unveil all of your tiers this week? Quarterback tiers today, running back, wide receiver, tight end, the next four days. Yeah, it's probably a surprise to everyone that uh, – the tiers are focused around my tiers. Um, it was a surprise to me until about 12 hours ago. <laughs> so uh, very excited to unveil these tiers. It's it's a really, it's the one, one of the things I, I wrote about it this morning. It's one of the things that the fantasy industry is an almost universal agreement about is that tiers are better than rankings. Now, we still have plenty of debates about whether they should be tiered by ranking or tiered by <laughs> projection or tiered by archetype, but... Everyone agrees that tiers are better than rankings. Joe, do you agree? Joe, P's, oh, wait, wait. I have to introduce you. Sorry. Nah, I, already introduced right. I think you just did. To the, well, fine. I did to the video crew, but the audio crew does, won't hear that intro. Joe Pisapia <clears throat> is here from Fantasy Pros. He's, Heath, he does baseball and football. Can you believe that? Mm. Remember that? Wow. Remember that's, with, that must be really tough. <laughs> it's really yeah. tough. Mm. Well, thank you for coming on. You're one of our favorite guests, and um, we really appreciate you being here. How are you doing? <laughs> Well, you're one of my favorite hosts, and oh. uh, obviously, you know, Heath and I go go way back, way back. So it's very nice to be here hanging out with you guys. And uh, yeah, I, I think tiers are, are good. Uh, I think quantified tiers are best, where you could see where the expected drop-off really is and how significant it is. I think that's what it's all about. Can you quantify those uh, with, you know, different tools that we have? And I think that, you know, I think we put so much into rankings and and doing the tiers actually really gives you, I think, when you're actually drafting more of a strategy, more of an approach. So I'm all for anything that gives you a better strategy and approach as opposed to argument stuff, as opposed to, well, I like this guy better than this guy. Who cares? If at the end of the day, there's five fantasy points that separate them, what's the difference? Just a couple different weeks where they're good. So to me, yeah, the tier conversation is the way to break them down because that's the thing that allows you to look at the board differently and, and actually craft a strategy, especially when it comes to Superflex. I think those tiers are even mm-hmm. more important mm-hmm. then. What, what I think everyone would really enjoy, Adam, is your tears. And thankfully, <laughs> you a tweet about Thor over the weekend. And so at the end <clears> of the show, we can see your tears. Did you see my Thor tweet, Joe? I didn't. Now I'm all provocative. What, what, what happened here, Adam? What, what, what? You did not enjoy the Thor. Is that what happened? No. So I, uh, I'm not really a, a Marvel guy. And you haven't seen the new Thor yet. So no. you ranked the, all the Thors right after a new Thor came out, and you didn't see it. Correct. I right. Well, I watched the first three <laughs> uh, over the okay, last I'm, couple. I'm seeing of- your tweet now, and I might just walk off. The <laughs> <I'm> just saying. <laughs> 
All right, we're, we're going to tease that for later on in the show. But I did watch all three. I ranked them, and I am just getting killed. This is one of my least popular takes ever, which is really saying something. So it, it, I, I can always tell when you've tweeted something bad because my notifications start going off. Heath, add it to the list. Heath, add it to the list because I keep a list on Twitter of all of your worst takes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I – was overwhelmed when I opened Twitter on Sunday evening. The number of tweets <laughs> yeah. from people telling me to, uh, to 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 add this to your terrible list. Well, we'll get back. We'll get into that after we talk about quarterbacks here. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's get down to business. Actually, we do have one more very important thing to talk about, and that is charity. It's a big charity week here. That's what the Scott Fish Bowl is all about: donating to charity. And also, Joe, you're doing something as well. Tell us about uh, how people can help out. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, Scott Fish. I mean, it's it's like Mother Teresa, Scott Fish. I feel like that's pretty much the rankings now. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to argue with that uh, ranking, but uh, the Fantasy Black Book, which is available on Amazon right now, we just did a refresh of it. So it's completely updated, uh, new relative position value, new Baker Mayfield information, all that fun stuff. It's out there on Amazon, but this week, all through the draft here, so Monday through Sunday, Every time we sell a book, a dollar goes right to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So if we sell 500 books this week, guess what? It's 500, 1,000 awesome. books, $1,000. I'm happy. You want to 10,000? Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Last year, I think we got around um, somewhere between the five and 1,000. I think it was like 600 or something like that. That's great. Like that. That's what we're trying to do. And <clears throat> I think it's great that so many other people in the industry are trying to make this a week where we all get excited about fantasy football and we all start doing good things. And I know Scott Fish is not the only person does it. I'm not the only person. There's a lot of other people on big podcasts, small podcasts that are doing good things. And that's one thing I love about our community. So you can go get the fantasy football black book 2022 on Amazon and do something good, help the kids. And hopefully everybody's enjoying their Scott fishbowl drafts as well. Okay. I'm going to throw it over to you. Now you're a host. You've inspired Mm -hmm. me to, to donate to charity. Uh, So I'm going to do that. And while I do that, I want you to tell me what stood out when you looked at Heath's tears at just an initial glance. What was something that jumped out to you? Well, the first thing is I I glanced it very quickly because I saw it last night and uh, I was still trying to recover from your Thor tweet. But eventually (laughs) what I what I did (laughs) able to look at is is Derek Carr stood out for me. And then I saw that it's also he's split his tier five into floor and upside. And Derek Carr is still in the floor. And I can't believe it's come to this where now I am going to defend the honor of Derek Carr. But I actually feel really good about this Raiders offense and what they're able to do. And look, I'm, I'm not saying that it matters so much that I'm going to go back to the, the college days where Devontae Adams in 13 games had 1,700 yards and 24 touchdowns playing with Derek Carr in the Mountain West Conference. Like, that's fun. It's the Mountain West Conference. I don't know if we could, like, bring that over here. <clears throat> but I do believe that with Josh McDaniels, I do believe what I saw out of the Raiders last year, which was a team that really could have folded up the tents and quit, and they did not. I think that's that's really saying something, where they really didn't have a lot of weapons. Hunter Renfro was out there doing everything by himself. Darren Waller wasn't healthy. If you can get Waller healthy, if you can get Adams healthy, you look last year, the guy had an enormous yardage total, and the touchdown total was really small. If you, The expected touchdown total was much higher than what it actually was last year, and it really was a problem. They couldn't convert in the red zone. Now you're bringing one of the best wide receivers in the red zone area and Devontae Adams on the planet, you add him to a healthy Waller and Renfro and you have a pretty decent running game as well. I think that there's a lot more upside for Derek Carr than people are giving credit for. He's one of my favorite targets. If you're going to 
go ahead and take a rushing quarterback. I'd like to go stick Derek Carr on my bench just because in case those guys get hurt because sometimes they do. And I would also say that in the super flex world, too, if you're going to be aggressive on, um, you know, a Trey Lance or somebody like that, that Derek Carr is, is a safe play like Heath is saying is a floor play. But I think he's got a little bit more upside than people realize. If you add another 10 touchdowns and bump that total up to 33 or 34 or something like that, I wonder what kind of conversation we're having about Derek Carr. But last year's last year, this year's makeup of this team with the new personnel that's coming in, I think is very exciting. I think has more upside than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like I think because you look at the tier just above the tier four, and I think that's a lot where a lot of people would feel more comfortable putting Derek Carr, saying he's right there with Stafford, he's right there with Cousins, and and maybe he will be. That the touchdown thing, I have a harder time giving him a pass on, just because it's been such a problem throughout almost his entire career. He has more seasons below four percent, which a below four percent, if you're not a rookie, is just absolutely disastrous for a quarterback. Than he has at le- above league average, which was four and a half percent last year. So I think I would expect Adams is going to help with that. Does Adams mean 10 more touchdowns? And then the other thing is I don't have a great grip on what Josh McDaniel's plan is going to be with this team. Like I think it's probably going to be at least neutral in terms of pass volume, but they threw 33 more passes last year than league median. So they were already a pass heavy offense. I would anticipate they're going to be better and maybe, maybe have a little better game script situation. So Carr is one that's tough for me. I, I struggle with, cause I've got him in a tier with Jameis Winston and Carson Wentz. And I think most people see that and they're like, well, Derek Carr got Devonte Adams and Derek Carr's been good. The last three years, in a fa- from a fantasy perspective, not from a football perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, Carson Wentz and Derek Carr have been pretty indistinguishable. Last year, Wentz was actually better per game. Two years ago, Carr was a couple points better. Three years ago, Wentz was a couple points better. And I think Carson Wentz got a pretty significant upgrade in terms of his fantasy situation, going from a low-volume pass offense in, in Indianapolis and going to Washington. Uh, but I, that's what I expected. I expected Carr to be one of the points of contention in the tiers. But really comparing him to Carson Wentz, I mean, he's doesn't he just in feel terms, a lot different? Okay, in, They're in, in the same terms tier for of you. fantasy production. Yes, <clears throat> Carson Wentz has given us closer to an elite season of fantasy production than Carr has. That was ages ago. <laughs> I mean, that, well, he is not the same player. He is not the same player. You cannot, but he was better than Carr last year. He he was better than Carla. Okay, but in a measure that you never take seriously, and that's touchdown fantasy rate. points per game. That's touchdown rate. You always like you would call that regression to the max. Derek Carr has been top five or top top six in yards per attempt two straight years. He just has, as Joe mentioned, a big touchdown problem. He's been ninth, fifth, and sixth in yards per attempt in the last three seasons, and now he gets Devontae Adams. I mean. Right. I don't know. I can't put him in the same tier as Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz might might just be a really bad quarterback. Um, Derek Carr. All right. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I, I think that makes sense if you're looking at it just from a talent perspective, and it upsets you to put him in the same level as, as Carson Wentz. But like in terms of what Derek Carr has produced, he's not going to give you rushing totals. So he has to be elite right. in yards and elite mm-hmm. in touchdowns, or at least very good in touchdowns. And he's not shown us very much evidence that he's got that in him. And we've seen plenty of times from Josh McDaniels' offenses where in the red zone, they just bring the hammer and score 20 rushing touchdowns a year. Yeah, That might also, happen again. We've also seen plenty of times where they've had the best quarterback in football and who well, throws a ton of touchdowns. Are we, so are we saying that Derek Carr is more Tom Brady than Carson Wentz? No, I'm saying that 
I don't know that you can really draw on anything from Josh McDaniel's red zone tendencies. Well, I also think you're you're thinking of, you know, if you recall back early in Carr's career where he had, you know, Cooper and Crabtree and those kind of guys that you, know, you saw the 32 touchdowns, the 28 touchdowns, the higher totals and things like that. And then there's a there's a time here in a period where Gruden takes over and they really don't have anybody that is, uh, I think, able to step up into that void. Uh, they've been trying to get different wide receivers. You know, we've been cycling through different guys every year on that roster. And I think that the one thing about Josh McDaniels, and I think the big mistake we all, all of us make, and me included sometimes, is we try so much to pick up and plant, you know, well, this is what this guy did with this organization. So that's clearly what he's going to do here. Just because, you know, they ran the ball a lot by the goal line with the Patriots, that's a very Bill Belichick kind of thing. Um, I think McDaniels is is the same kind of coach like all good coaches theoretically should be, which is they're going to play to the strength of the personnel. The strength of the personnel is if you've got Devontae Adams and Darren Waller as red zone threats, you're going to convert with those guys. You're going to try to get those guys to football. Those are your playmakers. So I think, you know, with the Patriots and, you know, Kendrick Bourne is your best wide receiver last year. Yeah, you're going to probably try to drive the ball into the end zone with the running back. That makes a lot more sense. So I think you play to the personnel that you have. And looking at 4,800 yards last year for Carr, like I said, I think that you're seeing the best version of him and now the best version of weapons around him. So I just think he's got more upside. But look, we're kind of splitting hairs about a guy who's already got a good floor that I think is a good investment. And I don't think Heath is saying, oh, he's a terrible investment, but I don't think Heath necessarily sees the same upside I do. And that's fine, but we both see the floor. And I think that's, what's more important from a fantasy standpoint to make an investment in a player. Okay. All right. Let's get into the, uh, the tiers. We do have some quarterback news and it's not too much. Hold on one second. Uh, here we go. Uh, Lamar Jackson has worked on tightening up his throwing motion. He's also gained 15 pounds. There's, there was a report, I think, from Colin Cowher that Trey Lance had arm fatigue, but a San Francisco coach said that's not true. We'll see. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty interesting. Uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but he said he's got a much better understanding of the offense now than he did a year ago. And we do see sometimes quarterbacks take big jumps in year two in an offense. It was pretty incredible what he was able to do in year one of that <laughs> offense. Have we heard anything about Matthew Stafford's elbow? Is he 100% yet? Nothing? I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen anything either. I'm going to assume. I I'm going to say like yes. throwing or... What? I'm going to say yes. I'm feeling good about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like bad news finds us. So if right. you're not hearing anything about it, it's a good chance that it's probably not an issue. But the minute you do, it's something to to consider without a doubt. Uh, it's kind of scary thought to think that he could be better this year. I mean, it was last year was pretty great <laughs> he was qb7 per game uh matthew stafford and that was with a ton of touchdowns also a lot of interceptions and not a lot of rushing do we think stafford last year is like Carr's ceiling uh yes actually i do uh i i think that's a very good way of putting it and i think there's a good chance that he gets to that point because you know just like picking up matthew stafford and, and dropping him to a team and a personnel like that with a better offensive mind i think you could say the same thing it's like Derek carr you're not moving him but what you're doing is you're bringing in a much better offensive mind and i i always like coaches that get that second chance in the nfl too i feel like you know when you have a coach that you think is going to be a bright shining star someday and then they fail in their first attempt as a head coach i think that second time around is always good heck belichick was one of those guys too i don't know if he was a complete failure a lot of things went wrong in in cleveland when they tried to move the team and everything fell apart but he did make the playoffs the previous season but you know, you think about that, how many of these guys don't get a second chance? I'm always more intrigued by the guy who gets that second opportunity after they had that first failure in the NFL level as a head coach. You're going to love Tom Brady then, right? <laughs> I always love Tom Brady. <laughs> how about Doug I think Peterson? That goes to the, 
<laughs> Doug Peterson's a good one too. Yeah. Uh, Todd Bowles, yep. Doug Peterson. Uh, okay. So also Dak Prescott is in the best shape of his life. Dave thinks he cheated because he hired a personal trainer who followed him around everywhere apparently. But Dak Prescott, we can put him on the, what we're calling, what Dave is calling the BS list. Guys were in the best yep. shape. He joins Mac Jones, Amari Rogers, Ezekiel Elliott, and Robbie Anderson. And now it's Dak Prescott. I, I will protest the Ezekiel Elliott. I believe Mike McCarthy actually said, I can't say he's in the best shape of his life, but it's the best I've seen him. Well, that doesn't mean <laughs> that he's not in the best shape of his life. It just means that Mike McCarthy doesn't know that much. But I think there was some, some other quote about him, him being in the best shape of his life. He's running a fine, slow news day. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me it's a slow news day without saying it's a slow news day. (laughs) All right, so, yes, but before uh, before the tears, we have a live stream tomorrow, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday at 1 p.m. Eastern with Tara Roberts joining us. We are doing a live mock draft. It is a dynasty super flex startup draft. If you are in that format, please... Come on, check that out. It's only on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday. We might have another one on Tuesday night to help out with the Scott Fishbowl drafts. If Scott can join us, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can pull that off. But that's why you got to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, you can scan that QR code in our YouTube channel and vote for us at podcastawards.com. I assume that you're just going to send him a message tonight and just tell no, him. No, we're already talking. We're already and, talking. Uh, yeah. A <laughs> uh, couple of observations over the last two years in both four-point and six-point per passing touchdown leagues. There has been a very convenient drop-off in points per game. If you just go, I use fftoday.com. If you go there, if you sort by points per game, very convenient drop-off in between QB12 and QB13. It's like we have had a, a solidified top 12 of consistent, reliable guys, not to say they're great every week or anything. And then after 12, it's a, it's a little bit dicey. Uh, last year, it was a top 12, then 13 and 14 were Wilson and Winston. And then after that, there was an even bigger drop to like Trevor Simeon and garbage <laughs> after that. Uh, but yeah, yeah Carr. Carr was in that. Yes, believe it or not. But he was a lot better. Stop living in the past, Cummings. He was a lot. Heath, he was a lot better with Henry Ruggs. He was on pace for well over 5,000 yards before the Ruggs injury. Then Waller, or not injury, uh, then Waller got hurt. So let's cut Derek Carr a little bit of slack because when they were healthy, he was much, much better than that. But there has been like 12 reliable quarterbacks basically two straight years, and it has largely been the guys we've drafted top 12. But Joe, this year, I'm really hoping it's deeper and it's better, and that would require Lance and Fields and maybe Lawrence mm. and Tua, some of them, to emerge does it feel does quarterback feel deeper this year i don't know if it feels deeper but i i do think that the grouping right outside of the qb1 like if trey lance is the day one starter automatically that helps the field we'll see what happens with deshaun watson uh kirk cousins i feel very good about i i like uh the potential in this offense as well with minnesota and then i think what you're looking for also is can guys make a step forward right if, if justin fields even on a bad team there's ways for justin fields to become a good fantasy player and we could separate those two things the bears might not be a prolific offense but can he be uh, a guy uses legs gets us some rushing equity has a couple big passes a game because he does have a big arm he was a very good quarterback in ohio state so i think you can look at uh, Justin Fields is a guy that could take a step up. Trevor Lawrence could certainly take a step forward. He has so much ability, and we saw almost none of it last year because there was zero professional game planning going on because Urban Meyer was so far out of his depth at this level. It was unbelievable. It was sad. It was a joke. 
And look, Doug Peterson is not Vince Lombardi, but Doug Peterson, at least as a professional coach, played in the league. You have a, an opportunity here for him to take a step forward. The other guy that's in this conversation, too, that I think we kind of forget about is he's got him very low in his rankings, too, which is Matt Ryan. And I keep coming back to, you know, if you when you watch last year, that Atlanta Falcons offensive line was the absolute dregs. They were so bad. And now you're taking him and putting him behind an offensive line that is so much better. We're talking one of the tops in the league. I do like Michael Pittman a lot. You've got a really solid running game. Yes, I'd like to have another ancillary wide receiver and feel better about some of the other weapons there. But I think just one of those things like you saw a couple of years ago where Philip Rivers, who I think was way farther down the trough in his, in his physical career than Matt Ryan is. I think Matt Ryan's one of those guys who could sneak into that, you know, QB 16, 17 kind of situation potentially where we all look and go, yeah, why didn't we see that coming? Why didn't we see the guy who still has a lot left in the tank, the veteran quarterback getting a new lease on life with a really good football coach and Frank Reich and a great offensive line. I could see guys like that also kind of taking a step forward. So yeah, I do believe that there's a really good, I would say you can even make a case for 20 guys this year that all can compete maybe for that fringe of QB one not all going to be that close at the end of the day things yeah. happen but i think that the discussion point is greater and yeah i think there's more potential after that it gets real dicey though yeah and i like i i agree also that matt ryan has top 17 upside um mm -hmm. but that's why he's in tier seven because i would like <laughs> for him to have the upside to be a starter right. um, but in a in a two qb league he could be someone that i really helps helps you out a lot you load up at other positions he's right. your number two qb and I think that Fields, Lance, Tua, Lawrence group is the hardest in two QB leagues because huh, I don't yeah. really like do it. Do any of them have a floor inside the top twenty? Things could go disastrously bad <laughs> for all of them. We've seen it. Um, not so much Lance, but I mean, shoot, he couldn't even make it through OTAs without arm fatigue. Apparently, um, but no, they, 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 those guys are are super super high upside. I think what Chris Towers would call them is the mystery boxes. Uh, they could be anything. Could be Jalen Hurts. Um, could be Mitchell Trubisky. But um, hopefully not. Hopefully for not, not. I don't want that for any of them. But the, I, the other thing, and it, going back to Chris Towers again, like the thing you were talking about, Adam, Chris just wrote about this like a month ago. It's been much harder the past two years to do that super late at QB thing that I don't care when my league's going to draft quarterbacks. Like it's easy for us to go late at quarterback because we're in leagues with everybody else that thinks exactly the same. And Tom Brady's going to be there around nine or around 10. And mm -hmm. then somebody that's going to normal league's going to read that and say, how is this supposed to help me? But like, quarterback for a while there was so deep mm -hmm. that you could say, I don't care if your league is going to take quarterbacks in round one. I don't care if there's going to be 15 quarterbacks gone by round 10. Wait until late. You can stream and you can still win at the position. That's been really hard to do the last couple of years. Yeah. That's why I take two. That's why I take two of top 15 guys because mm -hmm. if, I, if there is an injury or my first guy just isn't that good – I can't just go to the waiver wire and and piece it together and be fine. I don't think that's the case. I think you, you know, I like to invest a little more in quarterback, but and, and I I would say like that if you're going to wait late, um, that tier five split there, I'd want to get one of the guys from the upside tier, the Fields, Lance, Tua, Trevor group, and then mm -hmm. one of the guys from the floor group specifically. I would Derek I would Clark. agree with that strategy. Yeah. I, and that's something I wrote about in the black book this year too. Is that, that to me is. That's the secondary approach. I'm more where Adam is, which is I like to go get my quarterbacks early. And I think we forget sometimes because we're in these 
analyst expert leagues, quote unquote, you know, that so many of us, you know, certain disciplines and sometimes those disciplines go out the window. We've seen that in drafts too, where we think it's going to be one way and all of a sudden somebody starts a trend and everyone gets a little panicked and starts to follow it. But typically speaking in the more casual leagues or the leagues where people are, you know, are listening to this podcast who aren't necessarily writing for CBS. Yeah. Like you'll see those quarterbacks go early. Make sure that you prioritize them in Superflex, especially because, the other thing about that is you're talking about premium productivity on a consistent basis. And that is something that's really important. If you're going to have a good team that you're putting out there every single week, the Josh Allen's, the Herbert's of the world, those high end QBs, they may make a significant impact. You just have to make sure that you're the kind of uh, fantasy player that understands the depth of the pool too. So you can start plucking some of those late wide receivers with upside to make up for the deficit. Cause when you use an early pick on one of those guys, even in a single quarterback league, especially, you're going to miss out on some depth at running back and wide receivers. So you need to be more well-versed, I think, in those names in order to make up that ground. All right, Joe, I got to ask you. So you said that you'd like to take quarterbacks early. I wouldn't exactly put myself in that situation. I kind of like to live in the second and third tier if we look at Heath's rankings. Not mm-hmm. that I have anything against— Is that in single or in Superflex? In one QB, one QB. Yeah, it's Superflex is totally <laughs> different. Uh, I don't have nothing against Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Mahomes. They just go a little bit early for me. But tier two for Heath is Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray. Tier three is Dak, Wilson, Burrow. Um, I'm usually in that range, I guess. And then I'll try to grab Fields or Lance specifically a little bit later. Uh, what's your, you know, what's tier do you typically live in? See, I'm very draft to draft. See, I'm very much about trying to see the board like i if josh allen drops further than he should i'm not the guy who's going to pass on him to you know if you give him to me in the fourth round or some nonsense like that well i'm going to take him you know even late third round if i can make it work if i got to pick by the uh by the turn i'm willing to do that as well absolutely uh and the nice thing is if once josh allen goes you kind of know exactly then that you're on the clock so to speak for justin herbert which is yeah. kind of fun. So you can play that game too, where you're like, all right, I'm just going to wait for the first person to take Josh Allen and then see if I can get Herbert at a good value in the next round. And then after that, I'm more than, okay, let's wait. Let's see how the board develops. I think Joe Burrow in the middle is a tremendous value. If you get Lamar at a good value um, in the next few rounds after Josh Allen goes, I still love that upside. I'm still not off of Lamar here. I don't think that we're going to give up on this kind of talent. Guy's got multiple thousand-yard rushing seasons. I do believe there's another gear in him in a passer we haven't seen in the NFL level. I think he will put the work in. I think the guy wants to get paid. Um, and then after that, you can go safer with the Staffords of the world that will basically be there when you want them. Uh, if you want to do a combination where you take Trey Lance and Kirk Cousins and you play the upside play and hope that the kid has a season like you know Jalen Hurts had last year or even better, that's a great approach. So to me, it's very much, um, I would say you could be two things in a draft, prepared and flexible. So I just like to watch the board as it comes to me and then take the value as it presents itself. So I'm good with any of those three strategies, depending. I don't like to lock myself into one way of thinking. To me, that kind of that kind of locks you up in a draft and then you end up making bad decisions then. Uh, Heath, how about you? If if there is a tier, everybody, I think, Prepared and flexible is a, is a great way to phrase it. So we don't lock ourselves into anything. But just based on the drafts you have done, Heath, one quarterback leagues, which tier do you typically find yourself drafting quarterbacks from? Uh, tier two, the Lamar, mostly Lamar or Jalen Hurts, one of the two. Because it seems like in most drafts, one of those guys is there in round six, round seven, and I'm just like, this is stupid. I'm going <laughs> to take them now. Um, now, there have been some times where I've taken one of the tier one quarterbacks, most likely whoever goes third between either Herbert or Mahomes. 
Um, I've not taken Josh Allen yet, I don't believe, but in our drafts, when he, if he falls to round four, I think you should. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right, and look, we have a comment right here from Timmy. Josh Allen in the fourth round, every mock draft I've been in, he goes yeah. in the second mostly. And that's what we're talking about. When we do little CBS or analyst drafts, he doesn't go in the second. But when you draft, he probably will. And right. we will not be telling you, at least I'll, well, I won't speak for Joe, but at CBS, we will not be telling you to take Josh Allen in the second. Joe, how about you? When's the earliest you would take Josh Allen? <sighs> you know, I, I think you can make the argument when you're up at the turn again in those you know top three picks that when it's coming back to you, let's say pick number four, if you if 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 there was a lot of running backs taken, let's say, and you're not somebody who's super thrilled with running back, or you got it like a Dalvin Cook or somebody you feel really good about, it, like pick four overall, then Josh Allen's there. You take Josh Allen, and all those wide receivers are a little bit closer to each other in that that next grouping in that one A grouping. Maybe you get Mike Evans in the third round. So I think it's more about which players are gone on the board more than anything. Um, and the same is inverse when you're in the bottom of the third round. If Josh Allen's still there, you know, at the ninth pick in the third round, I can see taking that jump there for sure because you don't want to let it get all the way to the bottom because you know you're not going to see it again. So uh, once again, it's all about pinpointing the the remaining players on the board, understanding the ebb and flow. But I think people continue to to live in the past when it comes to quarterback a little bit where they think, wow, like, you guys were saying before, you can always wait. A quarterback will find these guys are all the same. These prolific passers, all these pocket guys are the same. They're not the same anymore. These guys that are incredible athletic quarterbacks that can also throw the football besides run. This is a very special group of quarterbacks in a league that has changed significantly in the last 10 years where it is a pass heavy league. Everybody's got to, you know, come to their senses about that and realize that having one of these elite super elite quarterbacks, I should even call them, is a distinct advantage on a weekly basis. And it's something you should Mm -hmm. take into account. Streaming wide receivers, streaming running backs, that's something you do. Streaming elite quarterbacks is hard to do. Even if you're, you know, picking guys up off the waiver wire, those guys are those lower mid-tier guys that, you know, like we talked about, maybe Fields does well, maybe Lawrence does well. We don't know. Maybe one of those guys pops off and has a great season. But the point is, you know you're locking in great productivity. And that is a huge win for fantasy football on a weekly basis to have that guy would get you 35 points. Man, that's something special. All right, we're going to take a break and get further into the tiers when we come right back on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So let's take a look at the first tier for Heath Cummings here. Tier one is three quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. And we do not have to spend much time on this if we don't want to. Uh, Joe, any major disagreements there? Tier one is Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. No, I mean, I think that's definitely the tier. Um, You could even... I think you could make the argument to even drop Mahomes out of that tier because of the unknown factor coming into the season. But I think that would probably be a mistake because he's such a fantastic talent. And it might end up being a situation where you get more like the Drew Brees of old, where unfortunately for fantasy players, we kind of uh, we can't pinpoint. Is it going to be Lance Moore or Devery Henderson or Marquez Colston this week? It's going to be somebody. I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to frustrate the hell out of people. It used to be very simple to have Mahomes and Hill or Mahomes and Kelsey. But in these next few years, that's going to change. So that's the only frustrating thing. But those are the elite guys. I think we can all agree. Okay. So then tier two, Heath, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. You've got three very, very mobile guys and a statue in Tom Brady. But it's Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. And how much separates Tier 2 from Tier 1? Uh, not a lot. Just like just barely enough to call it a tier. I, I think it's more likely that somebody from Tier 1 is the number one quarterback this year than someone from Tier 2. But I believe all of the top seven there have the ability to be the number one quarterback in fantasy. And, and Brady gives us a good because he's the only guy in the top seven that's not going to run for 250 or 300 Mm -hmm. yards and he gives us a really good example of how you can be a pocket passer and still be the best quarterback in fantasy you need a coaching staff that allows you to throw it 700 times and you need two of the best (laughs) wide receivers in football and if you can have that then you can be a pocket passer not run at all now it's probably not fair to say not run at all because tom brady finds his way to a couple of rushing touchdowns every year he has a few fantasy points that way but no, anybody in the first seven finishes number one, I won't be that surprised. And that includes Jalen Hurts. Who do you think, Joe, has a better chance of finishing number one, Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady? <sighs> you know, honestly, this is going to piss people off. It's Tom Brady. He's a statue, but that statue's made of gold. I mean, if the, and this, and if he's going out with the guns ablazing, I mean, it's kind of terrifying for the rest of the league, right? Like, he's got nothing left to lose. He's he's the head coach of the offense now. I mean, like not that he wasn't before, but he really has all the reins to himself in a lot of ways now. So that's kind of terrifying. And it's funny as I was listening to you describe Brady, it was reminding me of Joe Burrow situation and how I don't think people are paying enough attention. It's like, oh, he's got all these great wide receivers and he's got the ability to throw the football and they have improved the offensive line a little bit year over year too. Now, Joe Burrow, don't sleep on that guy because as the year went on there, boy, things started to really look good there. Look, Jalen Hurts is a, it was a terrific fantasy investment last year. He was one that scared the heck out of me, I'll be honest, because whenever you have a player that you worry about the real football issues of can he continue to win games for this team and, and will there be some controversy or anything like that there, I think that's something that always kind of pulls me back a little bit with Hurts. I, I hope they take another step forward. But yeah, I think Lamar's the guy you could absolutely see in QB1. The only guy in this tier that kind of scares me, to be honest with you, is Kyler Murray that you've got in tier two because Kyler Murray, again, from the frame standpoint and the style of play, worries me. Two years ago, you had an offensive lineman fall on top of him and he couldn't throw the ball for about four weeks. I think we all remember it was like about 10 yards as far as he could throw the football. Last year, missed a few games. The yards per carry were down. He's missing DeAndre Hopkins for the first few weeks. Like there's a lot of things in there where it all starts to, 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 I can see more negatives around Kyler Murray that scare me off just a little bit. So I understand why people are very high and a lot of smart people like Heath are very much on Murray. I was somebody on Murray last year, but then the second year of taking some of the beating that he's taken 
in that frame at this level, it concerns me a little bit because the last thing you want is a guy that's hurt. And the last thing you want a guy is missing games in the quarterback position, especially in super flex. That can really hurt you. I could very, very easily. And that's like, there's a couple of places where this is true, but I don't think anywhere more true than the break between tier two and tier three. I could have very easily created another tier and put Kyler and Dak in that tier by themselves. Yes, 100%. Um, yes. But I, 100%. it's just like, how many tiers do you want to have with two or three guys in it? <laughs> They're the two guys that you could see being first or out of QB1 altogether, potentially. Yeah. Like, there's a there's an argument to be made where you can create those scenarios, and that's terrifying. And that's, to me, in the single quarterback leagues, like, you got to weigh that. Do you want to go ahead and take Kyler Murray with big draft capital or Dak Prescott, or do you want to wait a couple more rounds, take Stafford and you know, maybe throw a flyer on Trey Lance or Deshaun Watson for the second half of the season if he plays or whatever. To me, I'd rather do the latter part than the former. All right. So I will by say, way. it seems like Dak falls far enough to where he's like almost closer Typically. to Stafford than he, he is, is to yes. Lamar and Hurts. Well, unless in you're in a draft with a bunch of cowboy fans. I, I, so Dak, <laughs> in, on Fantasy Pros ADP, Dak Prescott is QB7. He goes ahead of. Jalen Hurts is QB eight. So Joe Burrow is six, Dak seven, Hurts eight, then Tom Brady, then Russell Wilson. Um, that's your top. That's uh, six through ten. But uh, I'll just read the Fantasy Pros ADP: Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, and Tom Brady. So when I compare that to that's top nine, and then Wilson's ten. When I compare that to Heath's tiers, Hurts and Brady are in tier two, and Burrow and Prescott are not. Uh, Hertz and Brady would be with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. But, you know, you mentioned this this possibility of Kyler Murray not being a QB1, but is there really a possibility of Murray not being a QB1, a top 12 quarterback, if he stays healthy, or is injury the only concern you have with Kyler? Injury is the only concern, but I think it's a big one. I think it's one you have to be um, just really hypersensitive to. Uh, and, and I also, you know, I know everyone keeps saying, well, they got Marquise Brown. I'm like, well, look, I know Marquise Brown was improved last year. But he still drops a ton of balls. And I remember watching Marquise Brown, you know, that run he had two years ago where, yeah, well, he scored a touchdown what, every game for like five weeks. And every time you watch those touchdowns, it was some DB slipped and fell and he ran away from them. Somebody missed the coverage. They were all like mistake issues. And I remember watching them every time and going, man, people are going to look at this line and think it's better than it is. And it's going to piss me off. And then it would come back. and It would be the same thing. And it was like a month and a half of that. It drove me absolutely out of my mind. DeAndre Hopkins is special. DeAndre Hopkins was was hurt last year. He was not present. Again, I think there's just more volatility in Kyler Murray. And in single quarterback leagues, I don't want volatility as much as there's upside there. And if you want to take him, I'm not saying you don't. That's fine. But I think you'd be foolish not to back it up with a quarterback on your bench of a Kirk Cousins kind of ilk that you feel pretty solid about just in case you're going to miss three or four games of Kyler Murray or if he's hurt and playing through because that's even worse yeah, that's because then you don't know. Then you plug him in your lineup and you're pissed off because you're not getting vintage Kyler Murray. You're getting C minus Kyler Murray. And that is sometimes more frustrating because you had an option sitting there and you could have taken that one instead. Yeah, last thing on Kyler though, just just to be pro Kyler here, I haven't drafted him at all, and, and I think I sh- I should start. Uh, he before <laughs> 2020, before he sprained his AC joint, he was the number one quarterback in fantasy. And mm-hmm. last year, before DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, I think he was number two per game. Yes, he was. And we always talk about well, he doesn't have Hopkins for his first six games, but after that, he has Hopkins and Brown, so that's better than anything he's ever had. Uh, I do think the first six games are are going to be, a, a, you know, a little dicey. But 
if you can make it through that and you can make it to your fantasy playoffs, you easily could have the top quarterback in fantasy. He has clearly shown that. Uh, and you and you guys, I think, have acknowledged that Kyler Murray mm-hmm. has number one upside. 100%. Yeah. All right, tier three is Dak Prescott, who was the number seven QB last year, both per game and overall. And Dak Prescott's number, I just want to throw this out there, Dak Prescott's numbers last year in 16 games, um, very similar to Kirk Cousins. Uh, Actually, really, I guess I missed this because it was 16 games. I was going to say very similar to Kirk Cousins over the last two seasons, 17 games, but it's actually Dak's better. Because they have almost identical numbers. If you look at Kirk Cousins' 17-game pace over his last two seasons, they're almost identical to what Dak Prescott did in 2021. But now I'm just realizing Dak did that in 16 games. Okay, so Dak has better than what Kirk Cousins did. I think what you've discovered here, Adam, is that Dak Prescott is better than Kirk Cousins. And yes. Nobody else knew that. However, <laughs> well, what I what I was shocked to see was how similar their numbers were, but I but I didn't realize there was a missing game there. Uh, but however, if you look at Cousins before the Adam Thielen injury last year, he was probably better than Dak. He really tanked after Thielen got hurt and missed most of the last uh, seven games of the year. Anyway, tier three is Dak, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, and that's it. Right? Dak, Wilson, and Burrow? Yeah. How would you define this tier? <laughs> not happy um, about it. I would define this tier as I wish they were all in different tiers. Um, <laughs> like, I do not... This is a, a, a you know you can do that right. They're your tier. Yeah, right. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, there is. Oh, yeah. I do not. I, you know, I remain unconvinced that there is a way that I could tier these players that I would be satisfied with at the end. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I could see. Joe said it. Dak could be QB one. I mean, he's he's shown us that ability. I don't really buy it though, which is why he's not in the tier above this. Mm-hmm. Wilson, there's. I don't know how to know what to expect because I don't <laughs> actually know how good his wide receivers are. Um, I know that we really would like to believe that they are really, really good. Um, and I don't know for sure that it's going to be that much more of a high po- volume passing offense than what he had in Seattle. It's going to be more, but it's not as if Hackett has traditionally been Mr. Air Raid. Um, Keith, do you think that division pushes it to be more because it's Mahomes and it's Herbert and maybe the Raiders do take that step forward? Like, do you think it, it gets pushed out of necessity potentially as opposed to, I, you know, the NFC West, which historically played a lot of defense and, and whatnot? I think <clears throat> it's possible, but you look at what the defenses in this division did. Like if Mahomes takes a step back because he doesn't have Tyreek Hill and Derek Carr remains Derek Carr, then I think the Broncos defense might be good enough to where that's not the case. Fair. Uh, one thing about Dak Prescott is uh, his rushing yards per game last year was 9.5 yards per game. His rushing yards per game in his first five seasons was 19 yards per game. So if he gets back to that, it's an extra fantasy point per game, which is not, not insignificant. Not just the yards, though. Touchdown. Dak was consistently a six rushing touchdown per 16-game right. guy, almost so much so that we made jokes about it. Um, I think he had one last year. So it's it's probably two to two and a half fantasy points per game if the rushing goes back to what it was. But, it was, but it's been three. It, what What's the last three years? Three, three, and one? Or is it just the well, last two years? One of those oh, years is right, three, right, three right, five right. games. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. More rushing production coming from Dak Prescott. All right, so again, tier three. And he is, started off like, let's not forget, 2020, he started off like gangbusters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was um, terrific and, before he got hurt. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he was like a per game, finished two, QB2 that year. Yeah, I was going to say, he. so anybody who thinks like, well, we're being hyperbolic, like Dak could finish, well, go back and go look at the first five games or four games before he got hurt in 2020 because people were like, wow, this guy's going to be MVP. And I remember because I had him on every team and I was like, oh, this is great. It's going to be the Dak Prescott MVP season. Mm. Nope. Nope, and then his his foot fell off, and that was, that was bad news. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, and uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow is in this tier as well, and I think Joe is probably higher on. I guess that kind of a thing you have to be higher on a guy named Joe. Is that yeah? If there was, yes, if it's like part Heath of the contract. Ledger, I was a big Heath Ledger guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, he's so talented, so talented, so versatile as an actor I meant as to well. Say Heath um, uh, well, yeah. you know, all, all the heats get the it's a bigger club. The Joe Club is much bigger. You know, we have like the convention center. You know, Heath can get together at the Holiday Inn with a couple of the other Heaths, you know, hanging out there. But uh, Joe Burrow, to me, once again, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of what he's going to be able to do at this level. And because he is right, you know, he, he's an athletic quarterback. He can get out there and move a little bit. But the fact that he is more of a pocket passer, it's it's funny to me. He almost like he doesn't get enough respect, I feel like, for what he did down the stretch for what that offense was able to do. And I'm just very excited to see all of those guys together and Jamar Chase in year two, because I think this guy, I, once again, we are barely seeing what they're capable of doing together at this level. It's going to be very exciting to see if indeed they grow in year two together. That's going to be something special. And I'll admit I'm a little bit of a fraud because I really wanted Burrow to be in tier four with Stafford, Cousins, and Rogers. Do it I'm after the show. Do it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm surprised. Surprised by I, this. I'm underestimating the potential leap in pass attempts relative mm. to what everyone else seems to see. What do you have um, him at? What do you have the Bengals at pass attempts? I I have Joe Burrow below 600, I believe, 583. Okay, I'll give you a number. I, I always talk about this game. It was the San Francisco game. After that, they said, we're going to just turn – Turn Joe Burrow loose. They were conservative with him because he was coming off the knee injury. After the San Francisco game, they decided to be a little bit more aggressive with him. What happened in the next game? Yeah, the next game was a fluky game. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm not making this up. This is what they said. So you can but, stop with that. But even if you include the next game. <laughs> but the next stop. game, how many passes? The next game he had like 22 pass attempts. But even if okay. you include that game, he right. averaged 36 and a half pass attempts per game over his last seven games, including the playoffs. Um, and that would that would be 604 passes over a full season, or 605, which would have ranked 11th last year in the NFL. So I, you can yes, talk about that just, next game, but definitely they threw the ball more in the last seven games of the season. I will just say, like in 600, I think we've got to reprogram a little bit because 600 used to be like, oh, you're on one of the most pass heavy offenses in the NFL. <laughs> last year, league median was 593, so 600 is slightly above average. If he gets to 600 and he starts running like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, which isn't a huge bar, then I do think that he could be a top three quarterback. That's just two different things that I, I'm not able to project a leap in both. All right, let's go a little faster so we can get to some of the, some of the lower-end guys as well. But Tier 4 is Stafford, Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so Heath defined Tier 4 to me, uh, to Stafford, to everyone, Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they're really good, but also yawn. Um, <laughs> I don't think any of these three quarterbacks in their current circumstances are a legitimate threat if everything goes okay for everyone else to be top five quarterbacks this year. Mm. Um, I do think that they are very likely 
maybe strike the very on Rodgers just because of the uncertainty of his situation, but very likely to be top 12 quarterbacks. And Cousins probably has the most sneaky upside of the group because everybody views Cousins kind of like Derek Carr, I think. And man, he's got Justin Jefferson. And if they really come in and, and bring Rams pass volume to this offense, mm-hmm. then then maybe Cousins gets to sixth or seventh. Maybe he he earns that Dak Prescott comp. Yeah. Always really good with touchdown interception ratio, which certainly helps in fantasy. He's like Carr with fewer yards and more touchdowns. You know what? I just realized that the correct answer was this tier is the better in Scott Fishbowl tier. <laughs> right. Completion percentage. And <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. It, right. The fewer bad plays. So again, it's Stafford, Cousins, and Rodgers. Joe, just real quick, do you agree mm-hmm. that these guys are a little yawn, as Heath says, don't have the top five upside? Well, well that's not exactly they, the way he said it, but un, I guess unlikely to finish top. I, well, he did yawn. The he yawn was yawn. definitely there. I recall the yawn. I would call this t- uh, tier accomplished, but um, lacking overall upside. It's the perfect grouping that if you went with Jonathan Taylor one in the Superflex draft that you wanted two quarterbacks on the way back, boy, you could probably get two of these guys and just lock in quarterback and and just feel really safe about it. They're like they're like a safe blanket. They're like you know that. That sitcom that's, you know, like like Seinfeld. It's on somewhere I'm going to find it. I'm going to laugh. I've seen it a hundred times. It's still good. I know the joke is coming, but I'm going to enjoy the next 25 minutes of my life. I think that's what it is. All right, let's go to tier five, the upside half of tier five. And then there's a floor half of tier five. Not exactly a half, but tier five upside. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Deshaun Watson, Tua Tungavailoa, and Trevor Lawrence. So this is Deshaun Watson plus some of these young guys we like. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Deshaun Watson, Tua Tungavailoa, and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Deshaun Watson speaks for himself. Um, the other guys, yeah. And then, you know what, Heath? I'll just throw in the, the floor portion of this, too. Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz. I, that's where I think a lot of people are going to disagree. We already started the show with that. But as Joe said, to not have Derek Carr in the upside portion... And for me to have Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston in the same tier as Derek Carr, I don't like it, Heath. I think you need to reassess. Well, uh, thankfully, I'm not a talent evaluator, and so I'm not putting together <laughs> tiers based on their physical skills or looks <clears throat> or or uh, how red their hair is. Um, but I do like I think in terms, especially in terms of projected fantasy production for them this year. I have them very close. And in terms of fantasy production over the last three years, they have been very close. And so that is why they are still in the same tier. Okay. My God. I mean, look at Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was so bad in 2020. I mean, I have forgotten how bad he was until just now. He averaged 218 (laughs) yards per game. He threw 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. That was 2020. Yes, he did bounce back nicely last year, but that was largely with the... 5.2% 5.2% touchdown rate. Uh, all right, fine. He's fine. I, and I don't think, like, I'm not projecting Carson Wentz to have a 5.2% rate next year and Derek Carr to have a 3.7% rate. But, like, just for a, a short second to entertain the possibility that Carson Wentz might be better than he was last year, I would expect Washington to throw close to 100 more passes than the Colts did last year. It was like 521 pass attempts. Yeah. I would suggest that Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson is the best wide receiving duo Carson Wentz has ever played with. That is a fact. I agree with that statement. 
I don't know that they'll have better numbers than what Jeffrey and Aguilar had that year. I mean, you know, I don't know what to expect from Dotson. But then, but then you throw in Ertz, Ertz and Ertz and Jeffrey and Aguilar that one year had a very had that was good. That was yeah, it was year. one year. Yeah, yeah. that was that was, that was one time accept, where, where Alshon premise. Jeffrey was on the field. Yeah, that was fun. That was I accept the premise. So, yes. my, my More premise passes, is better best. talent. Best talent around him he's had and much higher passing volume <clears throat> will likely mean that he again outproduces whatever you perceive his skill level to be. Whatever I perceive. It's not If he was so good, they wouldn't have been <laughs> dying to get rid of him. I mean, they, they couldn't have wanted to get rid of him more. Two, two teams in a row, back-to-back years, but, but fair enough. Um, and then Fields, Lance, Tua, Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Um, Definitely, I think a lot of people are going to want, even if it's not your only quarterback, they're going to want to dip into this tier because there is a lot of upside there. So let's go to tier six. I, I, I can make this really easy for you. Mm-hmm. Because oh, wait. Can I just say one thing about tier five real quick yeah, before yeah, we move please. on? Real quick. Trey Lance, again, that's the guy that if you drop him in there as a day one starter, this is a guy that could leapfrog into that top five because of the the pieces around him. Like that, that is, that is the one guy. So we could talk about two all we want and he's got limitations. Trevor Lawrence. I love Trevor Lawrence. The prospect still absolutely love him long-term in dynasty, but still there's a lot lacking around him. Deshaun Watson. We already, as you said, speaks for itself fields limited in what's around him, but Lance is that one guy. It could be just a complete difference. If indeed he is the day one guy. If, <clears throat> If Jimmy Garoppolo, like I, I don't buy into the the uh, dream that Team Chaos has, and I am firmly a member of Team Chaos that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start Week One. That would be awesome, um, as long as I don't draft any Trey Lance. But there is a chance if they don't trade Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance is not good at throwing the ball, that Kyle Shanahan goes back to Garoppolo, right? Oh, there's a yeah. hundred. Look, how can he not even consider it just because? This is a, a team that went to the Super Bowl and then the NFC Championship came two years in a row with Jimmy Garoppolo. Forget fantasy. This is real football we're talking about. Look at the teammates and what they think about Garoppolo potentially. Like At the end of the day, the coaching staff, like they don't care about our fantasy investments. All they care about is winning football games. And they've arguably gotten very close to the pinnacle with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a tough sell, I think, to the guys in the locker room. If, you, if he's there, that you don't play him. I think that's a big conversation to have. And that's what makes Trey Lance so difficult to rank this year. Uh, and then Adam, Fields, we're going to start on tier six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fields, um, I just want to point out, in his last yeah. four healthy games, Justin Fields scored mm-hmm. 27.3, 20.1, 22.4, and 18.9 fantasy points in six-point-per-passing touchdown league. So he he also uh, deserves a lot of credit for what he did late last year. Okay, go ahead, Heath. Tier six. Well, the tier six, tier seven designation is... The simplest of them all. This was the point where I gave up on tiering by projection or ranking and just tier six are guys who I do not think will lose their job this year. Tier seven are guys who I do not think will play 17 games this year. Okay, I'll read the names. Tier six is Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Jared Goff, Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, and Matt Ryan. Tier seven is Trubisky, Mariota, Drew Locke, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and Geno Smith. And uh, if you could pick a couple of guys, Joe, that you think could come out of tier six or seven and actually surprise us, be really worth starting uh, fairly mm-hmm. consistently, who would they be? Well, Matt Ryan already talked about, so that would be one that jumps to mind. Matt Jones, I think, is safe. Uh, and I think that Matt Jones could be a little improved. You know, Devontae Parker is not going to play 16, 17 games. We all know that. 
But I do think Mac Jones, you know, showed you that he is not intimidated by the NFL. He had a pretty good year as a rookie. I think people, you know, don't give him enough credit. I think they should be more aggressive. Jared Goff makes tons of mistakes, but the pieces around him are very good. Maybe the pieces around him can elevate him a little bit. That would be another one. Ryan Tannehill is a guy that I think last year, everything went wrong. How do you play when you have no wide receivers? We're talking third, fourth string guys that are out there that he's got no practice time with, no rapport with, and he made a ton of mistakes. So in Tannehill, you know, just this time last year, we were talking about, wow, he's a really safe, low-end QB1 kind of guy that kind of floats around there, get your points, you know, score some touchdowns with his legs we were talking about that we missed with Dak Prescott. Tannehill bouncing back would not shock me either. So I think Tannehill in this group, uh, I would say Mac Jones safe, Matt Ryan, maybe a golf. And then in that last tier for me, it's, you know, the only guy that I'm really curious about is Kenny Pickett because, you know, Kenny Pickett had a really good year pit. And just the way Justin Herbert came in the league and a lot of people were like, yeah, he's a project. It's going to take a little while. And I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is Justin Herbert. I'm not saying that. But I think everybody forgets the general consensus on Justin Herbert was, yeah, he's a little ways away. And clearly he was not. So maybe right. Kenny Pickett hits the ground running a little bit more than we give him credit for. And maybe those small hands are, are not as small as we think they are in terms of throwing the football. And maybe just maybe uh, he's a little bit better than people give him credit. So as a th- you know third or fourth quarterback in a super flex, depending on the depth of your league, he's a fascinating late round pick. Trubisky, Heath, I just want to point out, you know, he he was really he was good for fantasy in 2018. He was number 12 per game. In 2019, Trubisky had a really bad year. In 2020, he didn't really play all that well, but for fantasy mm-hmm. purposes, he actually was kind of, I mean, by my math, looking at the, he missed, uh, he left two games early. Look at his eight healthy games. He was kind of a top 12-ish guy just in fantasy points per game. His eight healthy games, he scored 30, 17, 25, 15, 31, 15, 28, and 10 fantasy points rounding up. Uh, in uh, rounding up and down in uh, in six point per passing touchdown leagues, so you know four big games, four kind of bad games, but that was usable. Um, I don't know. So so Trubisky, like I like you said, you don't expect him to, to start every game, but he might actually be okay while he starts. Uh, for a seventeen game projection, I have <clears throat> Trubisky projected for more fantasy points than a lot of guys in <clears throat> tier six. I don't know. Like, obviously, he needs to make sure that uh, no team doctors come close to him with any uh, anything that might puncture his lung. <laughs> oh, the Justin Herbert <laughs> comps for Kenny Pickett. Um, <laughs> that was people forget that he was sitting by Tyrod Taylor. Or Tyrod Taylor. Is there a guy that worth worse luck than Tyrod yeah. Taylor? Like, I mean, just the worst, man. Yeah, I mean, other than Derek Carr's touchdowns. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the uh, the only other guy that was less lucky. Um, but no, like the guys in this group, I agree totally with Tannehill. And if we get to camp and both Robert Woods and Traylon Burks look like they are 100% and mm. like participating all the time, I'm probably going to boost Tannehill up a tier into that uh, tier five floor group. He, he deserves that. I'm just a little bit worried about what they're putting him around right now and what the plan's going to be. And then I think both Goff and I'll say Baker Mayfield too. Both of those guys could be like high-end QB2s that don't have the upside to really matter a whole lot in a one-quarterback league, but I think both Goff and Mayfield have the situations to be good. Well, then I think we have to get to the controversy here, which is my Thor Mm. tweet. (laughs) Mm. Uh, All right, so not as I mentioned, not really a Marvel guy, but wanted to see what I was missing. So I decided to watch <coughs> Captain America about a month ago, and it was fine. The original Captain America was fine. And I watched the Thor, watched the first Thor movie, and I loved it. 
It's great. So, all right, I'm going to watch the other two Thor movies. I didn't watch the one that just came out. Joe did. We can get a review of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tweeted my ranking of the f- first three Thor movies, knowing what was going to happen, but maybe not to the extent. Uh, my ranking is number one, Thor, number two, Dark World, and number three, Ragnarok, which is how they came out chronologically, how they were released. <laughs> And uh, nobody agrees with me. Everybody thinks that Dark World, su- Dark World sucks and Ragnarok is mm-hmm. the best, arguably the best Marvel movie. So I don't know why people don't like Dark World. It's very good. And first of all, I, I really liked all three of them. This is not me hating on Ragnarok, but I felt like Ragnarok was very funny, but a little bit too funny. Kind of took me out mm-hmm. of the mood a little bit. Like It was a little too comedic sometimes, a little too goofy. And I thought what it lacked. What mood are you trying to get into when you're watching these movies? Uh, like an intense mood. Because like the whole intensity. premise is goofy. No, it's, it's, there's an intensity to it. I well, mean, that's not true. Because if you look at films like Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier is, so, is a very intense. Like it, gee, the other thing is like you know if you watch one Captain America, like that's those are the setup movies. It's when you get into Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Civil War, and you get into like the the some of the deeper versions of, of what's going on. That's when the if if that's what you like. You're going to love those. That's that's the thing for you to jump to. So you should skip there. Uh, and if you did not like Ragnarok, oh, I liked Ragnarok. a little too many jokes, then you're not going to like this next one. Because oh, there's a lot of jokes. I a liked lot of Ragnarok jokes, a lot. lot. I, just, I just thought that I just liked it the least of the three because I didn't really think the storyline was so great. You know, I thought they maybe spent a little bit too much time in Jeff Goldblum land. Um, yeah, it just, it seemed like, and I, and I liked the Natalie Portman crew. That was my, one of my beefs too. Like I liked the earth crew that didn't really exist. And I liked his badass team of friends, which also didn't exist in Ragnarok. So True. yeah, I thought they got rid of some characters. I was really didn't feel it at all with, uh, the guy who became the executioner for, um, for Hela. Like, I just thought the characters were worse. That's Carl, that's Carl Urban from The Boys, by the way, that guy. Yeah, I wasn't really feeling guy. it with him. <laughs> I just, I thought the characters were worse, and I, I thought the storyline was worse. So that's It's definitely lighter in terms of that. I mean, it's definitely more fun, and Cape Blanchett, it's great in it. I understand your point of view. I think you are, uh, even though it your ranking is incorrect, <laughs> I believe that your point of view is correct, because... You are saying, look, I like my films in the Thor universe to have a little bit of substance. And the yeah. first Thor sets you up for that. So if you're just watching Thors in a row, I understand why Ragnarok is a weird divide. But the problem is if you're watching all of them in the Marvel order, yeah. you've kind of been conditioned after Guardians of the Galaxy and a couple of those other films that you're gonna you're gonna enjoy yourself a little bit more in some of these movies and they're gonna be less serious. And then you have the Civil Wars and the, you know, which is again, that's another great one. Talk about serious ending there. And that is that's okay too. Infinity War, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I think your personal assessment is has worth, Adam Azer. <laughs> I think your ranking is 100% wrong, but I enjoy it nonetheless. And I can tell you right now, set yourself up for a little bit of. The next one is very entertaining. It's very funny. We went to see it yesterday. Uh, I did like that they gave you a lot of backstory of the Christian Bale villain, which is not something you get in a lot of films where you get backstory of the villain which makes it understandable more. And Bale is terrific. So maybe that'll save it for you. But yeah, I'm just yeah. saying be prepared for some, some jokes. Not jokes. <laughs> I have not <laughs> seen the new one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ragnarok's my favorite and Dark World's so my least favorite. And the new one will be either second or third, probably. Uh, Ragnarok's like one of my top five Marvel movies. 
it's uh, most people's. It's yeah, beloved. Yeah, people love it. Yeah, yeah. You know why it is Good. too? And and he, Adam, you have to understand this. Ragnarok was the palate cleanser after some horrible things had happened mm. where you needed a feel good movie. I see. And I, I think that's why in the Marvel universe, when you, and you've seen them in order, you go, you know, Ragnarok, everybody loves it because you feel good. Cause a lot of crap has gone down in civil war. A lot of, a lot of things have gone wrong. Hulk has disappeared. It, it, it's, it's a bad scene. Ragnarok <laughs> made us feel good again. And then we move into infinity war and all the other stuff. After I, I think it's important to note that this might not be your worst Marvel take here's another oh, take in the twitter oh, yeah. thread yeah from back in 2019 oh this is true oh. yeah yeah the first time he ever watched avengers the 2012 the the avengers movie um it's a it's really bad it's a cliche machine might as well be a transformers yeah. movie i agree oh, no. with, with me oh. yeah <laughs> Wow. Are you well, saying I, I agree to yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, I, w- I would, uh, I would clarify. I didn't watch. I don't think I watched the whole Someone movie. Someone asked you. I was just. I turned on like TNT, and I'm watching this. What is this? Transformers? And no, it was Avengers. And uh, I just. It, this was. I was not impressed at all. Wow. Well, how many of the films have you seen? Probably about just out of curiosity. Probably about eight to ten. Have and you so, seen Winter Soldier? No, I never seen that one. I think you should see Winter Soldier and I think you should watch Civil War because I think from get from what I get from you, you like a little bit more of that edgy, serious Marvel kind of stuff. Maybe. And I think that is that's in your wheelhouse, buddy. You're going to love those. I think you're right. I disagree. I think you should watch both of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I, li- I like how terrible they are. No, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy. How could you like Dark World more than Ragnarok and say you like Guardians of the Galaxy? I yeah, do not understand little, your brain. That's a because, problem. Well, I liked Ragnarok <laughs> a lot. That's a, I just liked Dark World. I thought it was really good. And you know, there, there was a moment in in, in uh, Ragnarok where you find out that um, Anthony Hopkins, or whatever his name was, Odin, was actually kind of a, a monster who slaughtered a lot of people with Hela. Right. And they never really got into that. Like You would think when Thor finds that out, it would have shaken him to his core. But they never really got into that at all. I'm t- it was really a lot of what style. What did you want him to do? You want him to go to therapy and talk? Like you want I, think you, have, I think you have a chance there for, for some character you want, do you want like Robin Williams to be his therapist and he keeps <laughs> hugging Chris Hemsworth saying it's not your fault? Is I that thought, what you're trying to get to? I thought to? it was kind know. of a bombshell that was more or less left it was. untreated. And, uh, uh, you know, it just just flo- floated out there and not really uh, nothing really came of that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a lot of st- a lot of style, not as much substance. But again, I liked it a lot. It was really good. I enjoyed. It. I love the Thor movies. I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a Thor guy. Are you ready to make your first Scott Fishbowl pick yet? Uh, no, uh, I have the That's two pick and I'm still waiting. So. <laughs> I oh, wait, no, it just. It, Okay, I literally just checked five minutes ago, and now I'm on the clock for it. I am so on the clock as well. All right, let's there go, guys. Go. Make your picks. What, what number do you have in this I have in this picked draft. 12, so I now have two picks. I've already ruined my annual goal of a zero um, time on the clock. Not going to do that this year. Um, Travis Kelsey and Jonathan Taylor were the only two non-quarterbacks taken in the first round. And so I am going to do the right thing here. My first pick, <laughs> the right thing. like undeniably the right thing. We should not care about floor or injury risk or anything in a tournament this size. There's no reason Christian McCaffrey should still be available. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey 12th overall. Wow. Huh. Wow. Okay. Who are you taking 13th? 
I need to see which quarterback's left because Dak's gone, Lamar's gone, Kyler's gone. I'm prob I am taking Tom Brady. What about there Kelsey? Kelsey Cal and Andrews Tom are Brady's gone. still there? Kelsey and Andrews are gone. Uh Andrews is still there, but Kelsey's gone. Um, I am taking Brady and McCaffrey. Okay, Joe. Who went, start? Who went one two in that draft? I'm curious because I'm the two pick. So we're just Allen starting. and Justin Herbert, which I think is like the chalk of the chalk. That's exactly yeah, what well, my that's draft the thing. Has been. And Allen went first, so I was going to take Herbert. And I mean, there's always that temptation to take the running back, but I don't know, man. I don't know. It's kind of hard to pass to the QB. I'm just going to go do it, and I'm going to take Herbert. I'll, I'll stick with the chalk for now, and I'll separate myself later. That's that's where I'm going. <laughs> and you know what? It's nice to have a little Herbert exposure for a change here too. So. Let's keep the draft going here. But I, McCaffrey at 12, I can't argue with that. I would absolutely do the same thing because you know, what, what do you have to lose? None of us are going to win the whole thing. I made the playoffs last year. I'm sure you did too. But at a certain point, you're like, well, you know, it's out of your control. There's so many variables in it. So you well, just try the nice thing is if he gets hurt in week three, I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There All you right. Have well, it, that's folks. a great way to end it. Very good enthusiasm <laughs> for fantasy football right there. Uh, thank you all. <laughs> that was a very Ragnarakian. Uh, Radnorakian, uh, Radnorakian comments. <laughs> oh, I screwed that up. I screwed that. Okay, I should have ended it. Radnorakian is that's that's when that's when Dwayne Johnson plays. Yeah, man. Should have ended it 15 seconds ago. Thanks to Joe Pisapia. <laughs> you can follow him at Joe Pisapia 17 and check him out on Fantasy Pros, uh, baseball and football. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.